Uh, we are here. We are here. Y'all give me a thumbs up or some hearts or something. Let me know that we are good on the sound tip. Uh, let us know in the chat real quick for those as I go through the rundown. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to leave that to you uh, on your end. All the way up. Is the thing talk? Am I in red when I talk all the way? No, you're not. Okay, so then give me to like greenish blue, red almost. Then you we should be good. Uh, over there, so the volume must have got turned down some kind of way, huh? Okay, so something is not right somewhere. She says it's a little low. Okay, um, not sure what's going on over there. <laughs> Can't really tell you about what's going on. Yes. Mic check, mic check, mic check. We gonna we gonna get it together. Let me let me let me uh let me see here what's really going on around here. Uh where is my where is we at where we at? All right. So in the meantime, in the meantime, let me uh, continue with that. If you are uh listening via Blog Talk Radio, simply dot area code three two three eight seven zero four three seven five. That is the call in number three two three uh, 323-870-4375, again, is the call-in number. One more time for the Holy Ghost, 323-870-4375 is the call-in number, 323-870-4375 uh, is the call-in number. Yeah, it is a little low. We're going we gonna to work on that because I can't turn myself up over here any louder because that's going to destroy my eardrum. So something has happened over there on the other side, but maybe we can, uh, we'll get that figured out momentarily. Uh, do, 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 Mic check, mic check, mic check. Is that better? No? Yes? No, nope, that ain't the one. Oh, wait a minute. I know where this is coming from. What about now? Okay, that's what it was. It got turned down. So sorry, y'all. We apologize. We be doing too much over here. That got turned down the other day. I just realized that. So you can turn that, come on down off of that uh, channel. Yes. Huh? Say that again. Oh, no, we apologize. No, we good. We, 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 we sorry. We, you said apologize to you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, my bad. I'm sorry. I, I, I said I apologize. I'm sorry. I apologize to you personally. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we should be good to go. We should be good to go. We should be good to go. My phone is freezing up, but I'm going to assume that's just my phone and not um, y'all. But anyway, 323-870-4375 is the call-in number. 323-823-870-4375 is the call-in number. One more time for the Holy Ghost. 323-870-4375. That is your call-in number. 323 Four three seven five is the call in number. If you want to follow us on, if you want to email the show, you can email the show. It's the TTLO show at TTLOmedia.net. It's the TTLO show at TTLOmedia.net. If you want to follow us on the gram, follow us on the gram. Real simple, real easy to do. You can uh, follow us on Instagram at TTLO Radio. That's right. You can follow us on Instagram at TTLO Radio. Two T's, one L, one O, TTLO Radio is where you can follow us there. If you want to tweet the show, I went backwards, but if you want to tweet the show, you can tweet the show at TTLO Radio. That's right. You can tweet the show at TTLO Radio. Two T's, one L, one O. Tweet at TTLO Radio. You can find us 
there. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TTLO radio, facebook.com backslash TTLO radio is where you can find us there. Uh, and then the live streams are up and running. The live streams are up and running. You can come on in, come on in. You can catch us there. Come on in on Facebook. I see y'all coming on in. Thank you so much. I saw somebody already shared just that quick. I appreciate the shares always, always. We thank you in advance. Uh, but, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook Live right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on in the room. Jesus is my doctor, and he writes out all. Y'all know where he got to go. My scription. Uh, so come on in on Facebook. And thank you for those of you who have tuned in on YouTube as well. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, chameleon, huh? You come and you go. But anyway, y'all come on in and say something to your boy uh, when you get here. Amen, amen. Thank you, Sister Pitts, for letting us know uh, about the sound in, again. Uh, so look, y'all, uh, you can all, don't forget, we are an iHeartRadio partner. What does that mean? That means you can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Just do a simple search for uh, the TTLO Media Group. Not only will you find the TTLO Radio Show, uh, but starting in February, every Tuesday, you can catch um, Healthy Soul Talk with Dr. Kimberly Thomas starting on Tuesdays. Healthy Soul Talk with Dr. Kimberly Thomas. Real talk, real issues, real solutions. Can't wait to see what her first show of the 2022 season uh, will sound like and be like. Excited for her. She's going back to her original day. So that's going to be a good, good thing. You can catch her there uh, on the uh, TTLO Media Group Network uh, healthy Soul Talk uh, with Dr. Kimberly Thomas. Uh, then we come back on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, my brother, right after her, my brother, The Kitchen Chronicles. That's right. You can catch The Kitchen Chronicles with the good pastor, Harold D. Washington, from the Faith Works and Vision Church. You can catch the good pastor, Harold D. Washington, and the Faith Works and Vision Church every uh, every Tuesday, every Tuesday right here on the TTLO Media Group. He feeds your spirit and your stomach all at the same time, food for thought and food for nourishment. But you can catch him every Tuesday, somewhere around 7.15, 7.30. That's right, somewhere around 7.15, 7.30. You can always catch him uh, with us here. Uh, don't forget, don't forget too, but we start our week. We start our week. How do we start our week? We start our week all the time. Uh, with worship, with praise and worship, and that starts on Sunday. Every Sunday at 11 o'clock without fail, you can tune in uh, to the historic Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. That's right. Every Sunday, you can tune in to the birthplace of gospel music. Join us on Sundays at 11 o'clock with Senior Pastor Daryl in person and the Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church family. You can catch us right here on the TTLO Media Group Network, always a good word for the Lord. And then right after us, that's right, you ain't got to go nowhere, just in case you can't make 11 o'clock service. You can catch that 1230, 12.45 service somewhere around there with the Faith Works and Vision Church. Uh, my good brother, the esteemed pastor of the Faith Works and Vision Church, Harold D. Washington, uh, over on the mighty, mighty west side of Chicago. You can catch their virtual worship experience. So excited for him and the new things that they are doing over at the Faith Works and Vision Church. But you can also catch all of this on the Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. You can download a podcast. You can find it there. All right, y'all. It is MLK Day. It is MLK Day. 
And uh, as always, uh, we like to recognize um, uh, we like to recognize Dr. King uh, not just for um, uh, for his sacrifice, but for the, the his mission, his mission, his goal. Uh, I saw today that there was a march on Washington, and I believe uh, the King family, the entire King family, uh, was marching today uh in 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 observance of the king day holiday uh but also marching uh for the fact that there's still so much that needs to be done um so much that needs to be done despite uh everything that he worked for uh but the family today they marched in dc for the senate action on the voting rights bill in case you didn't know uh the voting rights bill has been up uh, and this voting rights bill is, first of all, there shouldn't be a need. Let's be honest. Let's just have a real conversation real quick. There should be no need for a voting rights bill. Why should there be no need for a voting rights, voting rights bill? Because we as black folks, as Americans in this country, shouldn't have to have a bill that gives us the right to vote. But unfortunately, because we were denied the right to vote, there had to be a bill uh, to give us the right to vote. But today, members of uh, Dr. King's family, uh, demanded on Monday that the Senate scrap the filibuster and pass voting rights legislation as they led the march today uh, honoring the civil rights icon. His son, Martin Luther King III, his wife, Andrea Waters, uh, I'm sorry, Andrea Waters King and their 13-year-old daughter, uh, Yolanda uh, Renee King, joined several hundred other activists and residents in a frigid walk across the newly rebuilt Frederick Douglass Memorial Bridge, the bridge, they said, uh, that symbolized uh, President Biden's and Congress' ability to push through top priorities such as the recently approved $1.2 trillion infrastructure law when they want to. Uh, to the President of the United States and Senators, you were successful with infrastructure, which is a great thing. King III told the crowd gathered outside the National Park before they headed over to the bridge. But you need to use the same energy to ensure all Americans have the unencumbered right to vote um you know people had a banners talking about black votes matter and all those things uh here's the situation there are two democratic senators munchen and i think her last name is let me get her last name uh her last name is cinema Kristen cinema from arizona joe manchin is a democrat out of west virginia uh he's a moderate democrat uh, and they don't want to get rid of the filibuster because they say it protects the views of the political minority and encourages bipartisanship and bipartisan compromise. Yes, it does. If you don't know what a filibuster is, I'm not going to get into the whole po- political thing right now. But a filibuster is pretty much the, uh, uh, the, the minority party can go down to the state, to the floor of the, of, the, of the Senate and can just talk, 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 talk just to, 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 to postpone or delay the vote. That's what they can do. And a lot of times filibustering is when you know you don't have, uh, a lot of times the talk is supposed to be able to try to get people back to your side of the vote. A lot of times it does not work, but it's simply to delay the vote and it's to show your constituents that you were fighting against whatever it is was trying to be passed. Unfortunately, the filibuster is used just to delay the vote in most cases. What the Democrats are saying they wanted to do was use to get rid of the filibuster so they could pass this vote. So they could pass this vote 
to pass Civil Rights Act without having to get Republican support. The problem with that is that uh, canceling out the filibuster doesn't just mean for this vote. It means for every vote going forward. So if the Democrats lose their power in the Senate, then now that no filibuster deal now goes to the other side. So it is a slippery slope. However, Senator Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Now, Kristen Sinema is out of Arizona. Y'all do know Arizona was the last state to recognize the King Day holiday. Anything else need to be said? They were the last state uh, to recognize that. So, you know, we want to just leave it at that. Uh, but I am, I am always, I'm always, I've always been a, uh, um, <clears throat> I don't want to say a fan. I've always read, when I've read and studied uh, the history of Martin Luther King, I've always, his speeches were always on time. Uh, his speeches were always, uh, they, were, they were before their time. And if you read, if you read his speeches now, uh, you'd be shocked. Uh, and how relevant that even today, a speech that were, speeches that were given in 1962 and 1963 and 64 and 65 are just as relevant in 2022, right? Are just as relevant uh, in 2022. He gave um, uh, 11, uh, about 11 or 12 uh, powerful speeches that are of, 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 of note. Um, you know, from there was a speech in 1957. He did a speech uh, called "Give Us the Ballot," talking about voting. Uh, in 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 1957, uh, he did another speech in 1957 called uh, "Loving Your Enemies," loving your enemies. Uh, then there was the letter from the Birmingham jail in 1963. Uh, Lincoln Memorial Address in 1963. The "I Have a Dream" speech came in 1963. Uh, his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech uh, in 1964. Uh, Our God is Marching On in March 1965. Uh, Beyond Vietnam, talking about uh, why we had no business in Vietnam, uh, beyond Vietnam in, in 1967. Uh, then he gave a, power, a, a little well-known speech, I'm sorry, a, a not-so-well-known speech, but if you read the, the read the language of it, it, it'll hit you where you live. There's a speech called "The Three Dimensions of a Complete Life." The three dimensions of a complete life. When you get a chance, Google that speech by MLK. The three dimensions of a complete life. Crazy, crazy speech. Uh, where do we go from here? And then, of course, my uh, one of my favorites of his uh, is the "I've Been to uh, the Mountaintop" speech. That is uh, the excerpts from that speech are it's scary. Um, because he was literally assassinated the day, the next day. Think about that. That I've been to the mountaintop speech. Uh, you want to talk about prophetic, uh, and prophetic in a way that is, um, that is literally scary. Uh, it, 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 it is, it, it's just something to behold. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's, it's, um, it's something that, that is just, it's crazy when you when you read that speech uh, because he literally was foreshadowing foreshadowing his own death. Uh, I like to always go back to it uh, if I can grab it. I like to go back to it because it is a uh, just a powerful uh, powerful speech. Um, 
but yeah, I, let me let me get to the some of the stuff that when I just want to talk about his um about some of the things that he said. He says, this is one this is one of the quotes from the speech. He says um he says this is what he talked about with black folks. When he was talking about all the stuff that white folks needed to do. He says, but not only that, he says we got to strengthen black institutions. He says I call upon you to take your money out of the banks downtown and deposit your money in Tri-State Bank. We want a bank in movement in Memphis. A bank in movement. He says, go by the Savings and Loan Association. I'm not asking you something that we don't do ourselves. He says, uh, Judge Hooks and others will tell you that we have an account here in the Savings and Loan Association from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. We're telling you to follow what we are doing. Put your money there. You have six or seven black insurance companies here in the city of Memphis. Take out your insurance there. We want to have an insurance in motion. He says these are some practical things that we can do. We begin the process of building a greater economic base, and at the same time, we are putting pressure where it really hurts. I ask you to follow through here. So even then, Dr. King was talking about investing uh, at the time in the 60s in in black-owned institutions. Here is a question. What if we had just followed back then, before J.P. Morgan Chase was what it was, before Citibank is what it was? before Wells Fargo became the giant that it is. There there literally could have been a black-owned bank just as large as Chase, just as large as Bank of America, as Harris, just as large. Right? So he was talking about that that then. Um, You know, he goes on, there's another great quote. He says, now let me say as I move to my conclusion – that we got to give ourselves to this struggle until the end. Nothing would be more tragic than to stop at this point in Memphis. We've got to see it through. And when we have our march, you need to be there. If it means leaving work, if it means leaving school, be there. Be concerned about your brother. You may not be on strike, but either we go up together or we go down together. Wow. When, when you when you when you when you when you see and hear that, it just makes you um, it makes you recognize that we can't, like you said, we came too far to stop right where at at a certain point. So it's kind of like when we've had these, I like to call them demarcation points, right? These points where um, uh, we have we have this thing that that unites us, right? There is an event, there is a a a, a there is a point. That, that, that pulls us all to the television, that pulls us all to the news, that pulls us all there, and that's our rallying cry. But the problem is we start, but then there's nothing afterwards. I always ask the question, what happens after the march? The same thing happened during the Million Man March. What happened afterwards? We did not go. We did not follow through. We did not hold people's feet to the fire. Could you imagine if those million, the, the million of us that showed up, if we had a, took that million somewhere else, if we had took that million and demanded better schools for our kids then, if we would have took that million and demanded, if, if a million of us then, think about it, if a million men that were at that was at that bank that was at that event 
And I know it was talked about because there was a big financial piece at the at the a billion man march. But listen, listen to my words carefully. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Right. Ten, 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 ten dollars. Ten dollars uh, uh, times a million. Right. Times one million. Huh. Come on. now. I'm, I'm keeping it easy so that so that so so that so that the math is easy for y'all. 10, 10, 10, 10. So, so that's how much. That's $10 million. $10 million. If, 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 if we would have, yes, ma'am. If uh, Shianta, yes, ma'am, I was there. If, if we had had, watch this. If we had the mindset to say 10, a million, we need 10 of y'all. We need a million of y'all to take $10 and go to the nearest black bank and deposit it. And then we need another million men to go to the next black bank in this major city and deposit it. And then the next black bank and deposit That's $10 million hitting black banks in all of these major cities. Right. And the money probably would have been more, but that would have been an infusion right back into our own stuff. And I'm not knocking these. I'm not knocking. My, you know, I got money in Chase right now. I'm not knocking Chase Bank. But I'm saying it's easier to grow when you're the one doing the planting. I ain't going to get no help. It's easier to grow when you're the ones doing the planting. It's easier. So 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 he was he was on that path then. He was talking about that then. And then he, he kept it. I mean, it, it's just you know, it's 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 one of those things that that um, he he felt so compelled to talk about not stopping. He felt so compelled to talk about not stopping. Get this gum out of my mouth. I'm sorry, y'all. But he felt so compelled to, to talk about not stopping. He, this is what he says. He says, he says, uh, he said, th- that's the question before you tonight. He says, if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week as a pastor? He says, the question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question. So he says, let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with a greater determination and let us move on in these powerful days, these days of challenge to make America what it ought to be. We have to, we have an opportunity to make America a better nation. And he says, I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. I, I just think it's, 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 it's one of those things. Um, uh, that that we tend to uh, we tend to overlook. We get caught up in the "I have a dream" speech because the "I have a dream" speech, um, for lack of better words, we don't you know we we get caught up in the uh, uh, 
white, you know, Jews, Gentiles, Protestants, and Catholics, we're able to come together, you know, and, and all that. We, we get caught up in, uh, it's easy because that's the, that's, the, that's the safe part. There's no challenge there, right? Uh, uh, but, 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 but the words before, we don't really talk about because it's not so neutral. Because where the challenges come, those parts of the speeches don't get played on, on, on uh, um, standard television. Those don't get played in primetime air anymore, right? We got to be, we have to be mindful, mindful that, that this, this man was, 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 was so far ahead of his time, 39 years old, y'all. When I was 39, I wasn't, I can't tell you I was thinking about nothing that was going to change the world. When I was 39, it, just, it, was, it was just nothing on my brain that I was thinking about in 2009 that was going to change the world. Right? I wasn't. I was, I, was, I was concerned about how much money I was making. How many zeros was behind my name? What was my job title? That was that was my concern. And and again, I'm I'm just being honest and transparent with you. And when I was 39 years old, this man was 39 years old, and he was talking about changing the face of a country, literally shifting the direction of a country at 39. And he was doing it long before 39, but he was 39 years old, and these were his discussions. This is where, this is what his level was. This is what his mindset was. Make sure I ain't missing nothing in the chat. Uh, yeah. Shanti said, then you continue your own crop. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to get to this, uh, this, uh, this, this, so the last part of the speech, and then I'll move on. Um. Uh, when he got when he got uh, stabbed, uh, he talks about being in New York City. He was autographing his book, and he says, while sitting there autographing books, a woman came up. The only question I heard from her was, "Are you Martin Luther King?" And I was looking down and writing. I said, "Yes." And the next minute, I felt something beating on my chest. And he says, "Before I knew it, I had been stabbed by this demented woman." He says, "I was rushed to Harlem Hospital. It was a dark Saturday afternoon." And that blade had gone through, and the x-rays revealed that the tip of the blade was on the edge of my aorta, the main artery. And once that's punctured, you're drowned in your own blood. That's the end of you. And then it came out in the New York Times the next morning that if I had merely sneezed while the knife was in, if I had merely sneezed, I would have died. He says, well, about four days later, he says, they allowed me after the operation, after my chest had been opened and the blade had been taken out to move around in the wheelchair in the hospital. He said, they allowed me to read some mail that came in. And from all over the states in the world, kind letters came in. He says, I read a few, but one of them, he says, I'll never forget. He said, I received one from the president and the vice president. He says, I forgot what those telegrams said. I'd received a visit and a letter from the governor of New York, but I've forgotten what that letter said. He says, but there was another letter that came in from a little girl, a young girl who was a student at the White Plains High School. And I looked at the letter, and I'll never forget, it said simply, Dear Dr. King, I'm a ninth grade student at the White Plains High School. 
While it should not matter, I would like to mention that I'm a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering, and I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. And I'm simply writing you to say that I'm so happy that you didn't sneeze. You can't read that and that don't do something to you. He said, I'm so happy that you, she said, I was so happy that you didn't sneeze. And then Martin Luther King goes home and says, he says, I want to say tonight, and I want to say tonight that I am too am happy that I didn't sneeze. He says, because if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1960 when students all over the South started sitting in their lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best in the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the founding fathers in Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. He says, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1961 when we decided to take a ride from freedom and ended segregation in the, inter- 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 in the interstate travel. He says, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around in 1962 when Negroes in Albany, Georgia, decided to straighten their backs up. And whenever men and women straighten their backs up, they're going somewhere because a man can't ride your back unless it's bent. He says, if I had sneezed, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been here in 1963 when the black people of Birmingham, Alabama, aroused the consciousness of a nation and brought into being the Civil Rights Bill. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have had a chance later that year in August to try and tell America about a dream that I had had. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there. He says, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been in Memphis to see a community rally around the brothers and sisters who are suffering. He says, I'm so happy I didn't see. Hmm. He goes on to say, And they were telling me, now, it doesn't matter. Hmm. This is my favorite part of this speech, because this was Dr. King speaking prophetically. He says, now it doesn't matter now. He says, it really doesn't matter now what happens. He says, I left Atlanta this morning, and we got started on the plane and there were six of us and the pilot said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay, but we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that all the bags were checked and to be sure that nothing would go wrong with the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. And we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. He says, and then I got to Memphis and some began to say threats or talk about the threats that were out. What would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't really matter with me now. He says, because I've been to the mountaintop. Then Dr. King says, he says, I don't mind. He says, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. He says, I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen 
the promised land. He says, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Then he says, I'm so happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. That, 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 that's a prophetic speech because by the same time, the next day he was dead. Think about that. By the same time, the next day, he was already dead. Prophetic. Prophetic. That was the last speech. That was the last public words we heard from his voice. And the next night, he was it's amazing there's no such thing as perfect people I know a lot of stuff came out about Dr. King and all this other kind of stuff and none of those things negate the greatness of his journey none of them none of them negate the greatness of his journey Absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing individual. And I'm grateful uh, that even though, at least not to my knowledge, (laughs) there is no relation. There is no relation to Dr. Martin Luther King and that King family. Uh, That is probably one of the most, um, uh, that is one of the things that I have always taken, um, I've never taken lightly my last name, even though I'm not related to him, at least not to my knowledge. I've never taken lightly my last name because I I recognize what it is because your name represents who you are. Your name represents where you're from and your name goes before where you're going. Like people say, words matter and they do. Shanti says, I believe his integrity is what propelled him to the level he achieved. He was just about his father's business. Absolutely. Angela says, I just stood outside his dad's church often. That Ebenezer. (laughs) The the Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it is, man. It is. And I, that's why um, any time that I've had the privilege uh, to step in, that's why I tell people all the time, I know it's, it's, this is just a building. It's just wood. It's just brick. It's just mortar and concrete and tar and all that good stuff and paint and wood. Um, but where you stand sometimes, when you stand in, in, in places that other people have stood, um, it, cannot, it cannot just be something that flies by uh, and, and you don't take a moment to recognize it. Uh, I was talking with some, some I, was, I had, I had a, uh, uh, a, a good afternoon today. I got to spend some time with some, uh, some colleagues, uh, some, some preachers. We got to let our hair down. Uh, for a good minute, and it was it was just good to do. And I thank I thank my brother Michael for uh, asking me to come, and um, uh, and my brother Parks uh, for hosting. Uh, 
and it was good. It was good just to be around and, and not to have to think about other stuff. Um, and, and it was good. But I, I, I say that because uh, you can preach in a lot of places. Uh, but it's kind of like those moments, you know, when people take, and I, as, as one day, one day, I, one day I would love to go um, to Jerusalem. One day I would really love to go. I would love to go to Israel uh, one day, one day, one day. It's, it's, it's on my bucket list. It ain't at the very top, but one day I would love to go. Uh, I would love to go to the, to the, to the areas where we, that, 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 that the Bible tells us that Jesus walked, right? I would love to go to those areas. I would love to go to where the river Jordan is and, and, and just put my, my dip, my foot in the water. I would love to walk along that area just to see uh, where those things took place. I would love to go um, to the place that, that the Bible describes where he fed the, the people with the two fish and the five loaves of bread. Or as the brother said the other day, we heard uh, Pastor uh, uh, Sharp say, with two pieces of tilapia and five uh, cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. <laughs> I, w- I would love to go to visit uh, those places. I-, I-, I would. But those places, because when people go there, they-, they say there is an experience. There is an experience because of who walked there before. Now, give me, don't get me wrong. I'm in no way equating Martin Luther King to Jesus, so don't hit me with none of that mess, please. But when you stood in the place where great men have stood, you have to be sometimes in awe. So, so, so I want to be, I want, I want to be clear. I, I, the first time I, 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 I stood um, in the pulpit here after knowing and realizing that Dr. King spoke in this building, in this church, in this very building behind that very lectern, uh, uh, standing in, on that stage, I never take that for granted. Right, I never take that for granted because that's that's like, dude, you you know, and then and then it's that whole, you know, I don't deserve. There's no, there's nothing that I've done that that gives me uh, um, uh, license uh, or or special uh, um, uh, 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 special privilege. Uh, there's nothing that I've accomplished that that allows me to stand in that in that sacred space. Uh, so I don't, I never take it for granted. And I say that, I think I said, people are probably tired of me saying, but I say it every time I get up to preach, I believe. Um, maybe. Right. Diane. All the time. She said all the time. <laughs> so, so, so it, it's just one of those things. It is euphoric. Thank you, uh, Shiante. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, the tomb too, Angela, even though there's two, two different places. And uh, that they say the tomb is. So it's because it, technically there's no, nobody really knows where the real tomb is. Tomb was, rather. But geez, uh, now, his, historically, the, the, the place was lost. That's, that's what my, my, that's what my, my reading has, been, has taught me. Uh, as it says, hey, when I read any scripture in, in red, uh, oh, my God, that gets me energized. Like Jesus said those words. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, that was, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to honor Dr. King, uh, in that moment. All right, y'all, let me take a sip of water <laughs> for this next thing. Cause, uh, let me take a, let me take a sip of water. Cause this next thing, this next thing is about to get, take us somewhere. Uh, if you did not know, if you did not know. Uh, a well-known pastor, well-known pastor, uh, Michael Todd, Michael Todd, uh, 
uh, is a very well-known pastor uh, in Oklahoma. Very well-known pastor in Oklahoma. Uh, I watch him. He is an amazing preacher. Don't please, please, please. He is an amazing preacher, and uh, I love the 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 atmosphere of his church. I follow him on YouTube. Uh, I love what I see him do. Uh, I love the way he engages people. I love the plain speech. I love the plain speech that he talks to his people on on a level that is so clear and so plain. I love all of that. Part of the job of um, um, of a preacher is to give uh, illustrations, meaning to paint a picture. Uh, and a lot of times the purpose of that is to make it as plain as possible for people who are watching or listening to you. Uh, uh, so, so, so in that process, in that process, we as preachers are taught illustrations or what to do as illustration. It's literally using material. Uh, uh, it's simply using material uh, that uh, 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 that would shine light uh, or help with the application in the sermon. Right? That's that 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 that's literally what the purpose is. So a lot of times, illustration. Uh, uh, um, a lot of times illustration uh can be used uh a lot of times illustration can be used uh it could be props right you could bring stuff to the to the pulpit you can use people as illustration but props or anything just to help to paint the picture for your audience right uh jesus was a, the was the best at, uh, uh, illustrator, right? Jesus spoke in parables. His parables were illustrations. Uh, when he talked about uh, teaching, like fishing, he said, I can, I can teach you, I can get you a fish, or I can teach you how to fish. Well, fishermen understood that. Fishermen understood that, yeah, I can eat today off a of fish that you give me, but if you teach me how to fish, I can feed people. Come on, y'all help me with this. So, so illustrations. Um, I often use illustrations in my preaching. I have some go-tos that I use often, uh, especially when I'm in different areas or different uh, uh, at different. Uh, uh, I'm not fixing it up, and so I promise you, I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. I promise you, I promise you, uh, uh, I promise you, I'm not fixing it up. I'm, I want to explain to people what what illustrations are for in case they didn't know. Might be somebody listening uh, um, right now who's not aware of, of that, of, of what the purpose of illustrations are. Because I saw some comments that were utterly ridiculous. Uh, so I want, I want to make sure because they, cause I don't want all preachers to be typed into this situation. Now, um, I am going to, Tanya, when you're ready, let me, oh, hold on, let me um, make sure I'm connected to the right stuff over here. Hold, please. Oh, I'm already connected. Good. Let me put on the, uh, uh, what's the thing called? The cast. Yeah. Let me put that on so you can have it. I got my volume ready over here, and we're going to be good in a minute. 
All right. Let me know uh, when you have it. So, so um, yeah, it is. It is. I, I just, I just want y'all to see this for yourself, and I'm gonna give. I'm gonna let y'all watch and hear, uh, and and uh, when we got it, huh? You said we you're swirling. Oh, it hasn't attached yet. Okay. It says waiting on connection. Let me um, let me kill it, and then I'll start it again. Because um, I want y'all to see this, and then I'll give my my comments on it. Okay, I just restarted it. Um, so yeah, I because it is it is beyond uh okay, I'm gonna do this real quick while we waiting on this. Uh hold please. Oh, because I wasn't connected. Now, now, hold on. See, I knew something was wrong. It said I was connected. It lied to me. It lied to me. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. I like to get my stuff, you know, we, you know. See, right when you got stuff, I had it queued up and everything. Queued up and everything. All right, let me connect back to that. Is my number, tw- is it 2434 or 2434? 2434, right? The new. Yes. Okay, because he said he, um, oh, he must have, tr- he, he said he tried yesterday. He just sent me a text. All right, can't connect to this network. What? Come on, man, stop playing. We ain't got time for this today. I'm trying to do something. <laughs> All right, now it's connected. All right, now let me get the thing back. All right, so here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Boom, 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 boom. Got it. All right, y'all. So I'm going to let, we're going to watch this together, and then we're going to talk. Because I don't want to get, it, it can't really take it out of context. So, but here we go. Changing something, and you don't see it clearly yet. But you <laughs> And this is where most people would not face Jesus anymore. What most people would do is turn away. <coughs> What, what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is just as he's physically standing here, knowing what's coming, God's saying, can you physically and spiritually and emotionally be able to stand when getting the vision or receiving it might get nasty? I'm going to say it in a point just like that, receiving vision from God might get nasty you mean god i just bought in crazy faith i just bought my dream car and now you're going to ask me to sell it back and ride in the hoopty again 
Yeah, because the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. And do you, do you hear and see the responses of the people? What, what I'm telling you is how you just reacted is how the people in your life will react when God is doing what it takes for the miracle. What are you saying? This man was blind, and what he was trying to do with this man is give him his DNA. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> That was Pastor Michael Todd, um, and I, I wanted to make sure y'all saw it. I I I didn't want to I didn't want to talk over it. I wanted you to see it just like it happened live um, at his church. Uh, uh, I wanted you to see it just like it happened uh, at his church. Now I don't know. I want I want to I want to give you some more information. Let me give you some more information. Uh, uh, so so so. So, um, so he's so he's the pastor of the Transformational Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, they've been the lead pastors there since uh, twenty fifteen. Since twenty fifteen, they've been the lead pastors. Uh, so after expounding on the on the need for clear vision, he turned uh, about. He went back to the account about the blind man in Mark eight and twenty. Uh, Mark eight twenty two, the parable the parable of the blind man. And I talked about how Jesus healed the blind man. Jesus does this by um, he spit actually he spit in some in some in some dirt uh, and took some dirt spit in his hand and then rubbed it over the man's eyes. Um, uh, but then so 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 you know the guy that in his that was there staying up there with him was his brother, his actual brother. Let's just let's just you know not a brother from the church. His his blood came out his mama brother. That's just so we got that part clear. Okay, not that it matters, <laughs> but this wasn't just some strange dude in the in the in the church. This was his brother. Okay, uh, and and so in his points, his first point was we need Jesus to touch us as He touched the blind man. Second point was God will take us out of our comfort zones as Jesus took the blind man outside the village. Uh, then he got to that point. Uh, which was the one about uh, sometimes uh, receiving the vision uh, could get nasty. Let me say this. Let me say this. Now, I'm, now I'm, I can get to it. I, I, I did all that because I never want to tear. I don't want to tear anybody down, uh, and I don't want this to negate all of the amazing things that this man, this preacher, has done. When it comes to preaching, when it comes to pre- preaching, um, our job is to paint the picture. I saw this and I read it and I thought, no, this didn't really happen. Then I saw Angela like you. I was like, this couldn't have even been a possibility. But it was real. It wasn't a machine. He did what he did. But there were so many other resources he could have used to 
cast that vision he was trying to 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 to, to put that illustration on display he you know and i and i know i know you you you, you we want we want to get as close to the to the to the authenticity as possible but you can take covid out of the picture you can take covid out of the picture because this ain't got nothing to do with COVID. it's nasty without covid it's nasty without covid it's the illustration that went completely wrong you could have just said you could have gotten some could have went to home depot and got some dirt and 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 put it in a cup and 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 got some a bottle of water and put that and put a a a, a tap a, 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 and pour a cap full of water in a in a in, in the top and put it in your hand in the in the in the dirt and the mud and rub that on your brother's face you could have used baby powder you could have used vaseline you could have used anything other than what came out of your mouth i that there is no that that's taking that's going beyond because here is the problem the message got lost the message got lost the illustration can never be more powerful than the message do we really think that the message of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people was just him making the two fish and the five loaves feed 5,000? No, that wasn't the message. Jesus walking on water was never the message. It was never the message. And the message gets lost if the illustration becomes the only thing that people left there with was he rubbed spit on his brother's face. That's the whole message. Because we have to remember, it's not just the churched that are watching you. It's the unchurched. It's the unchurched that are watching you. And again, I have the utmost respect. Michael Todd don't know me from a hill of bean. Probably might not never know who I am. And nobody from Oklahoma or Transformational Church might not ever know the first thing about TTLO Radio or Dana King or nobody else affiliated with this show. But one thing you're going to find out right here is I'm only going to teach and preach the truth. And, th- and, and, and when the message is overrun by the illustration, the message has failed. Because somebody who does not know the Lord, who might have been told week after week after week after week, man, check out my pastor, Michael Todd. Or, hey, there's this young pastor, man. You should check him out. He is good, man. He talk real plain. He talk real straight. He talk about all these things that, that man, that I know you going through because I'm going through it. And, man, he helped me get through so much. And you should check him out. And what if yesterday was the day that that unchurched person decided he was going to watch this service done over not coming back not tuning in done because if this young dude is spitting on people in this church then what they doing at the other church why why 
And I know we like, we like, I, I love a good illustration. I do. I, y'all know me. I sometimes I come, you know, every now and then the Lord let my brain work. And I, and they did, sometimes they just flow right on out. But why in, uh, on God's green earth, why on God's green earth would, 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 would we be, would we be asked, would we be asked to, to sit and allow this to happen? And I know his brother, his brother being, his brother was like, well, he's my pastor and I trust him. And I get it. And answer, I hear you. I saw, I saw the other comments. I saw uh, 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 Regina. I saw y'all with COVID. But just even take COVID out of the picture. Without COVID, it's still wrong. It's still wrong. There's just no place for it. And I know we do. We, you know this. You know this. We got the smoke machines in the church. We got this. We got that. And we want the effect of this and that. Uh, but, 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 my God, can we can we make an effort? Can we make an effort to do it? His brother ain't mentally challenged. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. Mm-mm. Because you could tell by his brother's reaction when he heard him hock up the first time that he knew something. He was like, oh, God. And I'm sure they discussed it. But it's different when the moment comes. (laughs) You know, it's like like when you decide to get on the roller coaster and you get up there, you're like, oh, this was a bad idea. (laughs) I'm sure that's what his brother was thinking. At no time, at no time was this a good idea. At no time was this a good idea. And I just, it just, it's just, again, please, 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 because I want to be clear. If y'all got back, get some time after this, after my show is over, Google Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd, Beyond Today. Go to his YouTube page and watch any sermon, and your, your soul and your heart will be filled will be filled. But in this particular instance, he just came up way, way short. Way short. And we just gonna we gonna I'm not I'm not condemning him at all. Please, please, I am not. I'm not sugarcoating what he did either, but I'm not going to condemn him for going too far. I'm not going to condemn him for going too far. I saw some other folks was jumping on him uh, uh, because he happened to be, I guess he's a Trump supporter or whatever. I don't care about all that. The brother can preach. And yesterday, he just, it, it was one of them ones where you just went too far. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, Angel says, Jim Jones was willing to kill all his family members and he got the most for the, yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, so yeah, I, I just wanted to share that with y'all. I I, I am a um, again. I, I love you know the the illustrations, analogies because that's all they are. But this was a a you know props and all of that. They they're, they're good. They have their place. Uh, but this is one of those those you know. I mean that this is this is this is on the level of y'all remember a couple years ago we talked about this on the show. Tanya, you remember this? A couple years ago, this uh, preacher. I believe he was somewhere down south, was talking about how uh, uh, God would protect him against serpents. 
and he put his he put his hand in this uh, uh uh in this basket with some type of cobras or black mambas or something and and got bit and died that's taking it too far regina says working in mental health for years patients often like to spit on you not me they know that would be my last day. <laughs> yeah 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 and and the way he did it just made it even worse because it wasn't spitting on you. It, 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 his was his was even more intentional. Because it was like, you see me do it. I know you're doing it, you know. But yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I want you to spit on me if you're drinking some water and, and I crack a joke and you laugh and you spit water on me. I'm still going to be mad at you. But I, but this right here, this was this was a little different, y'all. This was a little different. But I am, I, I just, you know, we I, I pray that his... I pray that this does not negatively affect all of the great things um, that this that this brother has done uh, and has been doing uh, in his in his ministry. I want to be clear. I want to be clear about that because he's done some amazing things. He literally last year, his ministry literally gave away uh, uh, three point five million dollars in houses cars and cash to his church congregation. So let 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 me let, let me be clear. This ain't this ain't some this ain't some fly by night uh weird thing. He led his congregation in three point five million dollars in one day blessing spree. He gave a, a family a a new car gave a family a $250,000 house. Uh, he gave away over $200,000 to different organizations. He gave $200,000 to help people pay off personal debts and student loans. So, so they, they've done some amazing things. Some amazing things. So I want to be clear. I'm not, I, I am not going to, uh, this ain't going to be cancel culture. You're never going to hear me say cancel uh, uh, we're not trying to cancel Michael Todd. Y'all can go on with that. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. Um, uh, you know, he did, a, did lots of stuff, man. I mean, and I'm talking about stuff that really affected people where they were. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I'm not going to ever say that. Now, here's the thing about it. Y'all didn't know nothing about the fact that he gave away $3.5 million. Because that didn't make the news that a black preacher in Oklahoma gave away $3.5 million. That didn't make the news. Huh? Yeah, that, that didn't make the news. We didn't know nothing about that. Right? So I, we got, we got, that's why I'm telling y'all, we have, we have to be careful uh, uh, when we, when we, when we doing stuff, we got to be careful. We got to be careful because a lot of times, a lot of times we can end up, uh, uh, canceling stuff because somebody made a mistake. I'm not justifying it. I'm saying that illustration was one that was taken too far, and the brother simply made a mistake. How much money did Fluky Stokes give people? I don't know, bro. You tell me. Help me out. Uh, bro, Tori, God bless you, man. Thank you for coming coming back on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did I see that Matthew Stevens was in the hospital? No, I did not. 
Uh, she said, I did. It was on media. Okay. Okay. Uh, but again, I want to, I want, I want, I just want to be clear that, that we, we don't, we don't, um, we don't shut people down. We don't shut people down for, for making mistakes, not for making, not for making mistakes. I'm not, I, I've never been and never will be about, uh, uh, cancel culture, right? I never will be about that. Cause that, I, I, I've never understood that, um, you know, and, 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 and now, now let, let's, 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 let's take, let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. Uh, Cause I know we're talking about cleanliness and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, hygiene and, 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 and things being sanitized and all this, you know, cause we, 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 we can go real, we, we can get real deep. All of us become scientists and medical doctors when this kind of stuff happens. But before y'all start talking about this, and if you a preacher in a pulpit, let me be real clear. Let me be real clear. If you a preacher in the pulpit, and you finna sit up and talk about how bad and nasty this was. I'm going to ask you a question, bro, pastor. When was the last time you changed this on your microphone? <laughs> when was the last time you changed the mic cover on your microphone that gets passed around to any and everybody? And folk coming in and singing, and you passing mics, and y'all know we talk real close on these microphones. When was the last time? So before we start trying to, can, you know, because I know we, we, we get real extra. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it was wrong, but how nasty is your microphone? Huh? Don't get, me, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Was it, did he go too far being creative? Absolutely. Absolutely. Never going never gonna to say that. But as a, a good brother, I follow Mark Moore said, he says, I refuse to spit on all the good he's done over a bad illustration. Absolutely. I say the same thing. I refuse to spit on all the good this brother has done because he made a bad choice in illustration. That's it, y'all. I'm going to let it go right there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into uh, our conversation for tonight. We good, right? I'm asking. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into our topic of conversation for tonight, uh, and it is a good one. Why people leave and how to help them return to the church. Why people leave and how to help them return to the church. That's going to be our topic of conversation for tonight. But in the meantime, Eric Kirk and True Worship, give us a little bit, sir. Come on. Keep yellow radio. Y'all be right back.
Come on, I'll praise him. Oh, come on, put your hands together for that Eric Kirk and true worship. Eric Kirk and true worship. I'll praise him. That is one of, man, that that thing, that thing just bumps. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, We're going to get right into our conversation. I do want to acknowledge, though, I jumped ahead today. Uh, I completely skipped. Uh, the four-piece check-in and Shiante, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Shiante knows how it works. We supposed to do our four-piece check-in. Uh, <laughs> don't spit, Eric. <laughs> uh, uh, the four-piece check-in today. Y'all know the four-piece check-in. What church did you go to yesterday? Uh, who preached? What was the scripture and what was the sermon title? Uh, I want to give a shout-out. Thank you so much. Shiante checked in real quick. She was at World Impact Ministries. Uh, the sermon title was When Jesus Includes You. Uh, scripture 822 and 25 and evangelist uh, Bulis, uh was the speaker. Okay, all right, Shante, all right. I like that. I like that. So thank you, Shante, for checking in. I'm so sorry. I did jump ahead. Uh, next time, uh, 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 Madam Producer, uh, re- please feel free to remind me. Uh, yeah. You did? No, I'm saying when I'm supposed to do it early on. It's okay. I'm saying you feel free to interrupt me to remind me to stay on task. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Got yeah. Understood. Okay. Uh, so yeah, y'all, we go, but we gonna jump into this article today, y'all, because it is a, as they say in the country, it's a good. One. It's <laughs> it is a good. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good. One. Angela, please stop. It <laughs> don't spit. Uh, but it is a very very good article. And just in case anybody was wondering, yeah, I changed Mike. Uh, uh, stuff all the time. Around here, I tell everybody know around here, Ebenezer, you get a fresh mic every week with a fresh mic cover. Now, we have disposables. Huh? We have disposables. And then these bad boys right here gets wiped down all the time. Yeah, we got disposables. So, yeah, we, 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 we do what we do over here because, yeah, when you talk this close to the microphone, to anybody, you liable to have some stuff flying out your mouth. Different type of conversation, though. Different type of conversation. All right, all right, all right. So let's jump into this article. Why do, why do, why do, why do uh, people leave uh, and how to help them return to the church? Why do people leave and how to help them return to the church? Uh, The writer of the article is the one, the only Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, lifeway.com. Everybody's used this stuff at some point. Uh, he's among among his greatest joys are his family, his wife Nellie, Joe, three sons, Sam, Art, and Jess, and six grandchildren. He was the founding dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Church Growth at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. His many books include Surprising Insights from the Unchurched, The Unexpected Journey, and Breakout Churches. So again, he is a well-written writer. I was looking because I was waiting for a response. Did Brother Tory respond? about how much money Flukey Stokes gave, because he asked me the question, and I told him I didn't know, and I don't know if Brother Tory is still on here or not, but I didn't want to go too far. We're going to jump into the article, because we're going to get out of here on time tonight. Guess why? Everybody got to go back to work tomorrow. I gotta get, I'm going back to the cheering tomorrow. Y'all please pray for me. Pray for me. But the writer says this, why people leave and how to help them return to church. Why people leave 
and how to help them return to church. Uh, that's our main topic of conversation, why people leave, why people leave, and how to help them return to the church. I need to do a couple of shares real quick because the shares that I didn't share. Um, but, yeah, I need to do a couple of them real, real briefly, and then we're going to jump right into uh, the conversation because I just think it is going to be a blessing uh, for some people. So, again, again, why people leave, why people leave, uh, and 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 how to help them, how to help them uh, return to the church, why people leave, why people leave, and how to help them uh, return to the church. Uh, that's our topic of conversation. The writer says this. He says, he says, uh, do you, do your neighbors go to church? Mm-hmm. Do your neighbors go to church? Uh, Ari Tori says, no, I didn't go. Uh, hold on, let me get this, this, this chat out. So many folky people, yes, going on in the church, then it spread through the church. Now you have the finger point going on to stop members messing with one another. As far as returning, having a conference among the parties to clear the misunderstanding and pray that it gets better. Could I be wrong with what I said? Okay, we're going to get into it. Thank you, Isis. I was, I was kind of confused. I was confused, but I'm with you now. I follow, I follow, I follow. So this is what, this is what, this is what uh, the writer says. He says, do your neighbors go to church? If not, do you know why? Their reasons are probably not the ones you'd expect. He goes on to say, new research reveals why people leave churches uh, and what you and your church can do to help them return to church. Uh, the email subject line simply read, uh-oh. Hesitant to open the message from his friend Justin, Eric reluctantly clicked to see an, oh, only a link. He says again he clicked. Up popped an article on a popular news website about yet another controversy in the evangelical church. Eric wasn't angry. In fact, he was well acquainted with his friend's cynicism about the church. Quickly, he typed the pithy response. And what are you going to do about it, he said. But before he had sinned, a nagging feeling in his gut suggested that his clever reply wasn't his best response. Instead, he took the high road and once again ignored his friend's quips. Justin is like many people. While he once faithfully attended a local church, he no longer goes. He claims he's a Christian, disillusioned by problems he's seen in his local church and other churches. He hasn't darkened the door of a sanctuary in several years. Recently, recently, LifeWay Research conducted a survey of formerly churched adults in America, hoping to uncover certain trends about de-churched, about the de-churched, rather. While our results gave a great detail of insight into the minds of the formerly churched and why they left, they also revealed some common themes on how to bring them back. Our findings were cause for both worry and encouragement. So let's jump into it, shall we? He says, most of us know someone like Justin who no longer attends church. Uh, and it's no surprise that the U.S. church is in a general state of decline. He says the magnitude of the decline, however, is staggering. Of the 300 million people in the United States, fewer than 20% regularly attend church. And our research suggests that close to 7.9 million people may be leaving churches annually. Wow. Jesus Christ. Can I read that again? He says, of the 300 million people in the United States, fewer than 20% regularly attend church. And our research suggests that close to 7.9 people may be leaving churches annually. Crunch the numbers. And you realize that our churches 
are probably seeing more than 150,000 people walk away each week. So let's delve into it, y'all. We can't, we might, well, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Why did they leave? That's the first question. Why, why, why? Oh, why? Why did they leave? The writer says this, the overwhelming numbers of this exodus motivated us to discover the reasons behind it. Our research revealed several common themes as to why such a sizable segment of the local church body is choosing the exit door. So here we go. First reason, first reason they leave, first reason they leave is a change in life situation. A change, a change in life situation is the first reason they leave. A change in life situation is the first reason they leave. That's the first reason they leave. The writer says this, the writer says this, the number one reason for leaving church is a life change that prompted people to stop attending church. In fact, almost 60% of the de-churched people said that some adjustments to their lives is the primary reason they no longer attend church. Specifically, one third of the formerly church believe they are simply too busy for church. To them, life changes, often family or home needs, are as important or more important than attending a local church. Hmm, interesting. He says several people, several people, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, he says specifically, 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 one-third of the formerly church believe they are too busy for church. To them, life changes, often family or home needs are just as important. Several people reported that family responsibilities were causing them to feel too busy to attend church. And women, 64%, are more likely than men, 51%, to feel this increased pressure from home responsibilities. One of the more surprising results about the formerly churched was the tendency to blame a physical move away, a physical move away from their home church as a reason for not attending any church. About 28% of those reporting lifestyle changes said that a move to a new location caused them to stay away from the church. Uh, Such a reason for leaving the church demonstrates a great need for more outwardly focused churches. Uh Uh-oh. When a person or family moves to a new place and feels no motivation to join another church, it's up to congregations within that community to reach out to them. Here we go. People leaving an area or a community should not all of a sudden stop going to church because they're no longer connected to, or I shouldn't say connected to, they're no longer in range or in reach of their previous church. This is why it is so important for churches to build relationships. I'm trying to help somebody now. This is why it's so important for churches to build relationships outside of the normal people around the corner. Let me give you an example. If I'm pastoring a church here in Chicago, and I have a family that's been a part of my church for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, or just a year. It does not matter. It should not matter. If that family is attached, and I've been working, and I know that that family's here, and that family says, hey, uh, 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 Brooke King, we're moving to Memphis, or we're moving to Atlanta, or we're moving to Wisconsin, or we're moving to these places. Guess what? At some point, I found this out. Then you know what my job is as their pastor? Because I'm still their pastor, right? I'm still their spiritual guide. I'm still, I'm still the person that, that, that is responsible for them uh, from a shepherd setting. You know what my job is at that point? My job is to, be, is to turn from pastor 
to recruiter. What does that mean? That means my job is to be a recruiter, and my job is to go and find out about some churches in the area that they're moving to. What does that mean? That means I got to get up off some stuff, right? I got to stop attending every other conference. That means I can't. I, I got to stop doing all this other stuff, and I need to get on the phone and get on the Internet and start making some phone calls on behalf of this family and say, hey, I got a wonderful family. I'm Pastor So-and-so from Chicago, and I got a family that's moving to your area. And I saw your church online, and I wanted to know if, if, if I could send this family to your church. I'm still their pastor, but I want them to have a covering when they come to your town. And, 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 because, and, and, and watch this. And because I can't follow them there, and because I can't follow them there, you know, so, so as your, your, your job is to make sure that when they go to this new area, when they move to this new town, I don't care if they're moving to the other side of town or wherever, your job as a pastor is to lay the foundation for them to find a new place when they get there. So that means you got to do your due diligence because they're part of your flock. Even moving out of state, they're still part of your flock, which means I need to call the new pastor in Michigan. I need to call this pastor in Nashville. I need to call this preacher in this other area, and I need to get on the phone and have a conversation with him and ask him uh, uh, and tell him, hey, I, and, and find out, from, from, first of all, uh, uh, what do you have to offer this family that I know that's moving from Chicago? What does your church have in place for a family of, of, of three, a mother and a father and of, of one or two or three kids, and they're moving to your area? They've been faithful members of my church, and now they're moving to your area. What do you have? You know what happens when you do that as a preacher and as a pastor? You, you make it easier for them, and then they don't fall into some trap or some craziness or some cult, as I saw somebody say earlier, or they don't fall into some foolishness. Because you do the work for them. You build a relationship, watch this, with, their, with, with, with the preacher. We get so caught up in the day-to-day of, of what we're doing in our buildings that we forget about the purpose. We forget about the purpose of why we're actually here. We're not here to, 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 uh, 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 to teach people our dogma, to force people into our traditions, or, or to do any of those things. That's why you have so many people uh, 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 talking about deconstruction and all these other things. You know why they're talking about it? Because what they've been, what they've been taught, what they've been used or abused by has caused them more harm than good. At some point, we have to take responsibility for some of the monsters we've created. <clears throat> I said what I said. Y'all will be all right. Y'all will be all right. So, yeah, that's, that's the, <clears throat> that is the first reason. That's the very first reason, according to this article, uh, why people leave the church, a change in life situation, change in life situation. Let's go to number two. <clears throat> number two. Number two says uh, disenchantment with the church. Disenchantment with the church. I like that word, disenchantment with the church. The writer says this. He says, like Justin, a number of de-churched, claim their disenchantment with the current state of their church. He says 37% say this disillusionment is one of the primary reasons for leaving. Mm. 
disillusionment. Mm. Is a uh, disillusionment is a one of the primary reasons for leaving. The writer says this. He says perhaps even more surprising than this percentage are the reasons for their cynicism. One major factor is their view of the pastor. They perceive the pastor to be judgmental, insincere, and lacking good preaching ability. It's interesting to note that only 15% of those who feel displeasure with the church say it's due to a moral or ethical failure of the church leadership, while the local and national press often have a field day with moral breakdowns of pastors. That's not a major contributing factor to the people deciding to leave the church. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. The dis, uh, the disenchantment with the church. Uh, uh, can we be real? Can we? Can, y'all know I'm, I'm gonna say it like I said. Can we stop? Uh, what's the, well, can we stop doing the bait and switch? You wanna know why people are leaving the church? Because we keep playing the bait and switch game. We keep playing. Oh, we do A, B, C, and D, and then when the people show up, you ain't even got the first part of the letter A. You don't even have the first part of the letter A, but you, but, but you, but you disenfranchise people. You bring people in. A lot of times people come to churches hurting. A lot of times people come to churches hurting and they don't know what to do. So they come in and they're vulnerable and they're looking for a place and a space where they, and, 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 and they want to trust again. They want to, they want to feel some love because maybe where they are, they're not getting that. And they, and they believe they've heard about this God. They've heard about this Jesus and they want to know more about him. So they come in as a willing sponge. And then unfortunately we don't give them the full truth. We don't give them the full truth. We, we, we sugarcoat things. We sell them rainbows and flowers and tulips, and we don't tell them about the thorns at the bottom of the rose. We, we just hand them the rose and say, here you go. And we don't tell them that sometimes when you pick a rose, there's some thorns in it, and it's going to cause you some harm. And sometimes the growth process can be uh, uh, painful. But instead of us teaching them the full truth, we only try to teach them about prosperity. We only want to teach them about blessings coming down. We only want to teach them about happy this and happy that. And that ain't always the full. That ain't the full truth. If I can just say it that way. That ain't the full truth. As a preacher of the gospel, we're responsible for teaching the whole Bible, not just the parts that make people feel good. On the other hand, not just the parts that we call ourselves condemning people to hell. You can, first of all, let me say this again. I, I don't have a hell to put you in or a heaven to kick you out of. I do not. I do not. I do not. I do not. But my job is to teach the entirety of the Bible. Not just the parts I like. Not that the parts that I've learned and, and gotten real comfortable with, not the stuff I've, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, not just the, the parts that I've memorized. Uh, Brother Tory, uh, uh, prophet, bishop, apostle, I'd elevate the brother every time. Uh, uh, brother Tory says, interesting word, disenchantment. Guess when they're under the spell of the church, they're enchanted and bewitched. Hmm. Interesting way of putting it, because I guess here's, here, here's the question, Brother Tor. 
uh, uh, what if, what if, 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 wouldn't that be exactly what it is if they're not teaching by, if they're not teaching uh, 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 the Bible in, 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 in its context and versus using it as more of a, for lack of better words, a weapon than as, you know, uh, a teaching tool as, as, as an instrument of love, as an instrument of, of, of worship, as, you know, in, in its full authority. <clears throat> because that's what, unfortunately, that's what some preachers have done, even with the prosperity gospel. That so many people left the church because of the prosperity gospel, because they had people selling, because we were selling dreams. We were treating God like a genie. Just lift your hands and he'll bless you. Blink your eye and he'll throw, he'll, you know, do this and do that. Spin around three times and you'll get a check in the mail. If that ain't witchcraft, I don't know what the hell it is. Because we were telling people about Bible stories and not putting them in context. When, when God told them to march around Jericho, there was a purpose behind it, and everything that happened before Jericho had to take place. I just can't show up and march around the building and then expect the walls to fall down. Everything that happened prior to led up to Jericho. But see, we're teaching people, oh, just turn around and spin around five times, speak in tongues, EKOC, and then the Lord will just do this thing and your checking account will be full with $1,000 in the morning. That is treating it like witchcraft. That is treating God like a genie. Bewitched. Huh? That's exactly what it's doing. That's exactly what it's doing. So yeah, so yeah, I I I I I'm in I'm in comp- I'm, I'm, I I I love that. Uh, uh, <laughs> he says absolutely. Who is blind but God's servant? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. I like it. I like it. Let me let me let me let me grab that scripture. Isaiah forty two. Isaiah forty two eighteen and twenty five. Isaiah forty two eighteen and twenty five. Why did I just do what? I, okay, I did. Right, I thought I had lost it for a minute. Isaiah forty two uh, twenty eight. Uh, Isaiah 42, 18 through 25. It says, it says, Hear ye deaf, and look ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind that he that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant? Seeing many things, uh, but thou observest not, opening the ear, but he heareth not. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Uh, but this is a people robbed and spoiled. Uh, they are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. Uh, they are for prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord? Uh, he against whom we have sinned, for they would walk in his ways, neither they neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore, he has poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of the battle, and it has sent him on fire, set him on fire round about, yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Now, that was a whole lot of this thou, does and, and those. Let me get the Message Bible, because, you know, I, I want to make sure might be somebody brand new who don't know what we're talking about, so let me get it. Message Bible says it real plain. Message Bible says, pay attention. Are you deaf? <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> Are you deaf? 
Open your eyes. Are you blind? You are my servant, and you're not looking. Uh, You're my messenger, and you're not listening. The very people I depended upon, servants of God, blind as a bat, willfully blind. You've seen a lot, but looked at nothing. Uh, You've heard everything, but listened to nothing. God intended out of the goodness of his heart to be lavish in his revelation. But this is a people battered and cowed, shut up in attics and closets, victims licking their wounds, feeling ignored, abandoned. But is anyone out there listening? Is anyone paying attention to what's coming? Who do you think turned Jacob over to the thugs? Let loose the robbers on Israel. Wasn't it God himself, this God against whom we've sinned, not doing what we, what he commanded us to do, not listening to what he said? Is it it God's anger that's behind all this, God's punishing power. Their whole world collapsed, but they still didn't get it. Their life is in ruins, but they don't take it to heart. The message Bible. My God. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you, brother. I, I appreciate that scripture. Let's keep going. The third reason. Here's the third one. The third one. The third reason people are leaving the church. Uh, the third reason leaving. It says the unloving church. Uh-oh. The unloving church. The writer says this. Not only is the pastor a contributing factor to the discontentment within the church, the way the formerly church perceived the people within the church also motivated their leaving. Of the formerly church to express dissatisfaction with those in the church, 45% said the other members were judgmental and hypocritical. Well, uh-huh. In First Chronicles, come on now. In First Chronicles 1 and 10, First Chronicles 1 and 10, the Apostle Paul urged the church to preserve unity. Uh-oh. Having no divisions within the body. Brother Rainer goes on to say, our research shows that unity is key in the success of a church maintaining a healthy percentage of its members. Unity is the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, 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 in the success of a church maintaining a healthy percentage of its members. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The writer says this. He says, if church members hold grudges against each other and don't seek to sustain harmony within the body, people will leave. In fact, of those who said the church is unloving, many left because they didn't believe God was at work within it. Clearly, for God to use the local body of his glory, it must keep a balance of unity and love. Brother Tor, you said that's what they need to know, Dana, to be warned and repent. Uh, Brother Tori, I hear you, and I agree with you, that people should be warned so that they can then make a better decision, so they can make a better choice. Here is the other side of that, how we choose to warn them. I'll give you an example. When people are hurting or suffering, what we should not do is immediately say, that they're suffering or they're hurting or they're going through and it's their fault 
because of their faith. They're struggling because of their faith. They're, 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 they're not getting what, there's, what, what, what they've been asking for because of their faith. You're going through the drama in your life because you're not trusting God. So, 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 so that, that, that's what you should not do. One of the things that Jesus did before he told people about what he, who he was and what he was coming to do was he made sure, let me be clear, he made sure that some of their immediate needs were taken care of. I just used, we were talking about illustrations. We were talking about uh, 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 Brother Todd. Absolutely, absolutely, Isis. You, you're right, you were right on it with your point, Isis, absolutely. But we were just talking about illustrations with Brother Todd. And I just brought up the two fish and the five loaves. The whole reason for the two fish and five loaves is because Jesus was, these people had been following him. Before I can preach to you, you can't hear me if your stomach is growling. I wish I had some help. You can't hear me if your stomach is growling. You can't hear me if, if I'm telling you, uh, 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 you, you come into church with your eyes black, and I'm telling you, well, to pray for your marriage. You need to pray for your husband that's beating you. Your kids are coming in abused, and I'm telling you, uh, uh, well, you know, it, well, 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 your marriage would be better if you had a little more faith. There's no love in that. There's no love in what I just said. I just literally blamed you for your eye being black. There's no love in that, Right? Now what I can tell you is that if I if I'm if I'm your spirit if I'm your if I'm your spiritual head, what I can tell you is nowhere in in in, in the in the biblical definition of marriage does it say you're supposed to be abused. Nowhere. And I know this might not be the popular thing to say, but I'm never gonna tell somebody who's getting their hands put on by the other party that they should stay. I'm never going to say that. Ever. Because, see, there's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's financial abuse. All of those are parts of abuse. I'm never going to say, well, you know, just keep praying. I know, he, I, know you got, I know you got 22 stitches, but just keep praying. The next time you might only get 10. The foolery. The foolery of it all. Straight buffoonery. There has to be a balance. Before I can uh, throw the Bible at you, and I don't even like that terminology, so let me stop it right there. Before I start telling you about the warning you, have I loved on you first? If all I ever get from you is the belt, think about think about the parent who was overly uh, 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 disciplined, uh, who was too much of a disciplinary. Think about that parent who the child never felt love. The only thing the child ever felt was the belt, the back of your hand. 
but they never felt a hug from you. Yeah, you told them they did something wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, you told them what they did was wrong. Absolutely. Yes, you warned them, but where was the love at? And please don't tell me the love was in the licks. I wish I don't. Uh-uh. Sorry. Please, 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 my brothers and sisters, don't tell me that the love was in the licks. Because I, 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 I know what the Bible says. You ain't got to try to convince me and all of that foolishness. You ain't got to try to convince me. But we got to do a better job. A better job of loving on our people. You want to teach me, but you don't even speak to me. Oh, my God. Huh? If they are spiritually drunk, give them the sobering word of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, Brother Tori. We, we, we on the same page. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because the, 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 the white lady from England is talking to me. Uh, another reason people leave the church come back because they're not Christians. They're not Christian. One of the biggest mission fields may be people sitting in your church every week. The writer says, while no one will ever know exactly how many attending worship are believers, many are leaving church because they were never Christians in the first place. Uh Uh-oh. Many were leaving church because they were never Christians in the first place. Our survey found that about a quarter of people leaving the church expressed a change in beliefs or simply lost interest in religion. Of that group of people, 62% stated that they had stopped believing in organized religion altogether. Woo! That they stopped believing in organized religion altogether. The, the writer goes on to say this. Don't miss, the enormity, don't miss the enormity of this issue. Not only are people leaving the church, but many are coming in and out of your doors without ever even meeting Christ. Can I pause right there? What if somebody met you and you were the Jesus that they were supposed to meet and they met you first? When they meet you, can they say they had an encounter? When they met you, can they say they had an encounter? Or are they just meeting you and you and, 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 and on any given day, it depends on what side of the bed you rolled out on, they got whatever version of you decided to show up. He says, inevitably, some will simply refuse to accept Christ no matter how evangelistically healthy a church becomes. But a large group of people, possibly tens of thousands who could be reached for Christ, are leaving the church. So here we go. How, 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 how can they return to the church? We got it. We got it. We got to give you some, some hope. We got to give you some hope and some encouragement. We can't just leave you here with, with, with why they left. We got to give you some hope. The writer says this, how they can return to the church. Without a doubt, the American church has a major problem as millions of people leave each year. But we think there is a reason to remain optimistic. The second portion of our research focused on how the church can bring these people back into a local body. What we uncovered were some simple yet exciting factors that could help people return to the church. First and foremost, considerable, first and foremost a considerable amount or considerable number of the de-church said they're willing to come back. While many are not actively seeking a church now, 
a large majority, 62%, is open to the idea of returning. Conversely, only a small minority, 28% of the formerly churched, is unlikely to consider returning in the foreseeable future. So these findings should be a huge encouragement to you. The question is, what specifically can we do to see them return? So here we go, y'all. The first point of making them come back, the power of the invitation. Ah, the power of the invitation. The writer says, perhaps one of the most underestimated reasons people return to the church is that someone simply invited them back. Overall, 41% of the formerly churched said that they would return to the local church if a friend or acquaintance invited them. Younger adults are even more influenced by the power of the invitation. Approximately 60% of those 18 to 35 would consider returning to church if someone they knew asked them to come back. A simple yet powerful invitation is all it may take to prompt a homecoming for the de-churched. Is your church equipping people to invite others back? When someone strays from the church, friends and family should be there to encourage him or her to return. Here we go. I see empty seats in a church every week. My church holds 1,100 people. And I'm just, I'm overly transparent, so don't nobody, please, nobody listening from Ebenezer, if you're on here, please don't be offended. But my church holds 1,100 people. Every Sunday, even prior to the pandemic, I was looking at 1,000 empty seats. I'm going to say that again. And this ain't, this, ain't, this ain't nothing to be playing no games with or y'all pointing fingers and all this other kind of stuff. My church has 1,100 seats. Every Sunday that I stood in the pulpit, I could see 1,000 empty seats. Every now and then, it might have been 950. But on average... I could stand in the pulpit and see 1,000 empty seats. Now, here is the situation. Let's talk about the 50 to 100 that would show up. Here is the question when we're talking about the power of the invite. How many people do you know in your house first that don't come to church with you or go to a church? How many people are we leaving at home on couches or in beds? First, then, how many people in your circle that you know don't go to a church? Because we all got unchurched friends or de-churched friends. How many do you know that don't go? And how many times have you given them an invite? Now, there's a caveat that I have to mention. There's a caveat I got to mention. It's hard to invite somebody to a church that you yourself got some issues with. Let me tell you something. A family that's fighting, nine times out of ten, they ain't inviting too many people over their house for dinner. A family that's messy, physically and emotionally, ain't going to be inviting too many people to their house. Why? Because they know it's messy physically 
and emotionally, spiritually, financially, all of the above. You ain't going to be too quick to invite nobody to your messy house. You can deal with it because you say it's my mess. But you ain't going to be quick to invite your friends, especially those who are very good at spotting mess when they see it. So how and why would you invite them? So, yes, the power of the invite is an amazing thing. But what we need to recognize is maybe the reason, what's the real reason you aren't inviting anybody to where you worship? What's the real reason? Something you ashamed of? Something you're not comfortable with? You don't want them to see you in that setting? Because, you know, worship can be a vulnerable moment. Huh? Let me move on. Let me move on. Uh, the next one, the next one, the next one. The next way, the next reason, the next way you can get people to come back to church is make a difference. Make a difference, make a difference, make a difference, make a difference. The writer says this. Almost a third of the formerly churched mentioned that if they were to return to church, they would want to be a part of a local body where they can make a difference. By and large, people within the church are more fulfilled in ministry when they sense that God is using them. And churches with high expectations of their members are more likely to draw people back into the fold. The deep church may have left due to insincerity, but it's the high standards and expectations that draw them back. Oh, Lord. People want to serve and know that they are contributing something significant. Making new members aware that the bar is set high for their contribution does not deter, but rather motivates them to be a part of the local church. Let me be clear what I just read. People want to serve and know that they are contributing something significant, making, a, making new members aware that the bar is set high for their contribution does not deter them from, uh, but rather motivates them to be a part of the local church. Let me be clear about the contribution part. Let me be clear about the contribution part. When I say contribution, I'm not just talking about money. People want to contribute their efforts to something that's significant. People want to contribute their efforts, their gifts, their time, their treasure, and their talent to something significant. Nobody wants to pour into something that looks like it ain't going to advance, that there is no progress, that there is no change, and that there is no expectation for greater. There is a reason I put premium gas in my car and not the regular gas. Because my car runs differently on premium gas. My engine sounds different. My gas mileage is different. So I, I invest in that because I see a significant change. Help me, Holy Ghost, real quick. I see a significant change. 
Now, here is the situation. If I it, now, now my car would run. Come on now. Stay with me. My car would run on the cheap gas. Stay with me. Stay with me. My car would run on the cheap gas, but it would not have the same effect. I wish I had some help. It would not have the same effect. I would not be getting the most out of its design. I ain't going to get no help. I feel like I'm saying something. I ain't going to get no help. It would not get the most out of its design because it was designed to hold and to use and to be used in its best and peak condition. Huh? It was designed that way. And a lot of times, people want to contribute to something that's going to be significant. So there's nothing wrong with setting high expectations for people. When you start a new job, oh my God, when you start a new job, here's the deal. I was in sales for years. Right? I was in I was in sales and I was in charge of sales for years. And when I hired somebody new, I had high expectations. And I let them know that these are my expectations. I have high expectations that because I hired you, that what you're bringing to the table is going to watch this, not only meet the expectations, but exceed the expectations. I'm going to get a little help in a minute. Uh, so so, so, so here, here, here was the illustration that I would ask my sales, my potential employees in the interview. If I brought you to a second interview, you would know before you left whether or not I was going to offer you the job. There were a bunch of key questions that I asked my salespeople. Because the first interview, I went through the basics. Okay, you were here, you that, blah, 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 blah. Great experience, great education, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because everybody, you know, because I want to do that. And then I start the paperwork. If I like you, I go ahead and, 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 and have you submit your uh, 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 I have you submit your your uh, uh, your stuff for your background check, so I can move to the next level. So if I if I like you, I'm gonna go and bring you in for the second interview to close the deal. I had a question though for my salespeople, and I'm gonna share it with you. The question, the one question that I would ask, that was a bunch, it was a few, but this was this was this was a big factor in my hiring decision. I often ask them because, you know, sales is about money. Sales is about commission. You get paid for what you sell. There is, there is the, you reap the rewards of what you sell. So, so I asked the question. I said, if, I said, humor me for a moment. I would ask them, I said, where do you currently bank? They tell me, Bank One, Chase at the time, or Bank One at the time, Chase, uh, Wells Fargo, Harris, Citibank. Um, uh, uh, B, you know, was it B. Moore Harris or, or uh, uh, U.S. Bank, whoever, TCF, whatever. I asked them, I said, where are you banking? They would tell me. I said, okay. I said, let me paint you a scenario. The bank calls you and tells you 
there's an opportunity for you. And, I, and this, is, this is a real hypothetical, so just go with me. But the hypothetical question is this. You're going to be called down to the bank. The bank is going to open the vault. You're going to walk into the bank, and the bank manager, the owner, somebody from, is going to tell you, you have 60 seconds to grab as much money as you can. You can't take any bags. You can only walk in with what you have on. So you're not going to even know it until you get there. So no bags, no nothing. And you're going to go in the bank, and you're going to take out as much as you can. So I often got a, 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 a weird look from people. You know, but the answer that I got most common was, oh, my God, I would grab uh, these hands. I, I, would, I would grab and, and get both my hands full, and I would come out, and I would, you know, and, and I would go back, and I said, now, I said, now here, here's the other side. You got 90 seconds, but you can only leave out of the vault. You can, you can, once you go in the vault, once you leave, it's over. Once you leave, it's over. So no matter how much time is left on the clock, once you leave, it's over. The eyes got bright, and they said, I just need, I, I, man, I'm going to get it, and I'm going I'm I'm to make a cup in my hand, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stack it up, and I'm going to carry as much as I can. I said, okay, that's good. I like that. I like that. I like, that. I like the thought. Okay. But you know who I like? I like the person that says, so I got 90 seconds, huh? Say, yeah. So 90 seconds, and as much as I can carry, I can have. Yes, sir, that's what it is. You know, when people told me, you know what the real, you know what my dogs told me, my, 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 my true blue ten toes down sales people told me, the ones I knew I was going to hire, he said, look here, I'm going in there. I'm sticking money wherever money can go. <laughs> I'm walking out of there. Money everywhere. It's just, I'm going to stick it. I'm going to have hundreds rolled up. And as much as I can stick in the hole of my ear, I'm going to come out with. I'm taking everything I can carry up out of there. To me, see, see, that's the kind of people, that's the expectation that I want you. When this blessing comes, I want to be able to get all of it. I want to be able to receive all of it. I want to be able to get, I want those, those are the expectations you ought to set for your people. I expect excellence. If you're good, let's see if we can get you to great. If you're great, let's get you to greater. I, I, I want people who don't mind being stretched, who don't mind being made uncomfortable, who don't mind being stretched for the better. We ought to set some expectations, high expectations. Pat says low expectations yield low-ranking results. Oh, Lord. Right. Just show up and the Lord will have his way. Uh-huh. Right. Just show up and, you know. Whew. All right. Let's close this thing out, y'all. We, I thought we was almost through. Good Jesus. Why you didn't warn me? Uh, the top three motivating. <laughs> huh? Oh, I didn't? Okay. 
Why you didn't warn me? <laughs> look, I'm still going to look over there. <laughs> oh, God. All right, here we go. The three top motivating facts. We're going way over. I was supposed to have been out of here. What time is it? We're getting out of here at 9.30, so we're going to get through this one way or the other. Y'all got to look. Read the rest for yourself. Here we go. Lance Ellis singing, say what I missed. Man, you've been, you been gone. You've been, you too late. You too late. Uh, uh, hit the replay. <laughs> the three top motivating factors for why people leave the church and why they should come back. The writer says this. He says, while simply inviting a friend back or letting someone know he can personally make a difference are practical ways to bring people back to the church. Two of the top three motivating factors for returning are spiritual in nature. First, Almost half of those who are considering returning to the church said that they would do so because they feel it would bring them closer to God. Think about that. Some people said they would come back to church just because they felt like it would bring them closer to God. Second, second, not only do people return to church uh, because God is working in their hearts, but also because they sense a void in their lives. Over a third of the D church said that they would return to fill the emotional and spiritual gaps that they felt since leaving. So they felt a longing. They felt the desire to be back in the presence of God. That's wonderful. And then the third motivating factor for those returning to church is to be around those who hold similar values. Almost one third said they want to return to a church in which people held the same moral standards as them. Something to think about if your church is wrestling with how it will stand on moral issues. A church that compromises in that area only deters anyone who's looking to the church for both high standards and people with similar values. The writer goes on and closes out with this. He says, uh, the present reality is that too many people are walking away from our churches, but we're optimistic about the future. We frequently hear about churches that are actively seeking ways to bring people back into a local body. And we know that while de-churched people like Justin are all too common, they may also be only one small step away from being de-churched to being re-churched. That's good, y'all. There's a little bit, there's a few, quite a few more paragraphs. Uh, we'll put, Tony, you'll put the article back in the, uh, in the link where I'll do it. Okay. Uh, we'll put the article in there. There's some more bullet points at the end of this. Uh, but it is, this is, we, we got to do a better job with our people, Lance Ellis. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Spitgate. You missed it. You missed it. Go back, man. Go back. Check it out. Uh, but um, we got to do a better job. We got to do a better job of loving on our people, uh, especially those who are unchurched, but the de-churched. We need to find out why. It's like exit interviews. If, 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 we, if we really treated church... Um, uh, the way, let me read this comment, and then I'm, I'm going to go back to my statement. All right, uh, um, um, uh, Archbishop R.A. Torres says, <laughs> he got elevated again. Dana, as servants of God, we bank in the kingdom. We present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and accepted to God, which is our reasonable service. Be loving, feed the people, and stand on the word. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Brother Torrey, in that order, in that order, in that order, be loving. Feed the people and send in that order. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Not you. You. We get. We look here. We're on the same page. But let me. Let, let, let me. Let me. Let me say this. Um, we. 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 We owe it to. You know the, the whole thing that the churches do, and I know it was really a Baptist church thing. 
But you know how when you get up to join the church and the preacher say, you can come now by, uh, by letter, Christian experience, or a candidate for baptism? You know how in jobs, and do they still do this? I haven't been in a, in a corporate setting in a while, so y'all, y'all help me understand. In jobs, in corporate settings, do people still give exit interviews? Huh? They don't. You don't think so? No. They don't. They wonder. <clears throat> so when you say, I'm quitting or I'm leaving, they're not asking, you know, or, there's, or, they, or you say you took another job. Even if you say I'm going, I left because I'm taking another job. I was always taught to do exit interviews because what I was taught, the reason I was taught to do exit interviews is because it's so that I can grow as a manager and that we as the, and whatever company I was working for could learn and grow if there was areas of growth that were needed. Because if, let's just say, in a year's time, you lose five or six employees in a year's time. Maybe they were new. Maybe they were temporary. Maybe one was a vet. Maybe not. But in their leaving, you interviewed them in an exit interview. And in their leaving, they all had their own specific reasons for leaving. New job, more money, relocation, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the purpose of the exit interview is to find common denominators. And in that exit interview, you may find that they say, well, man, you know what? But uh, one of the other reasons I'm leaving is, is because of X. I'm leaving because the scheduling was too rigid. There was no flexibility with the schedule because the schedule was just not flexible at all. And, 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 and maybe if I knew that as a manager, uh, when I went back to my superiors, I could say, hey, y'all know that we lost these people and we lost some good people because the schedule was too rigid. Is there anything we can do as a company where we can give some leeway to our on-the-floor personnel? <clears throat> to our on-the-floor personnel to give them some leeway with the scheduling. Because what I might find out is I could probably stop some people from leaving if we weren't so rigid with the schedule. Bring it back to church. What if our churches were set up so that people were Put some three and one on on this thing this weekend. Every time I move the microphone, y'all hear that? <laughs> Every time somebody said, "Hey, you know what? I'm, 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 uh, uh, brother, pastor. I'm thinking about leaving, uh, or I'm, I'm, you know, me and my family, we going to another church." Because normally, what happens is people don't tell you nothing; they just gone. And after a while, you go, "What happened to sister so and so?" Oh, they going they up? They going down the street? And you never find out why. But if you found out that people were leaving your church for some specific reasons and that all of them not biblically based, not because you weren't teaching the word of God, not because you weren't teaching them discipleship, but because you allowed mean people to constantly be allowed 
to talk to and and harass people because you never uh, uh, checked people or because you you allowed the same people. You never used people. You ignored the talents of people. They felt like they couldn't be used. They felt like there was no place for them. Then then and, and, and if this is the common denominator on the great exodus, then that's the time for you to have a conversation with God and say, God, uh, uh, help me fix this thing. But instead, in church, we go through, well, you know, that's just how Sister So-and-so is. You know, she's been here since 1966, and she's been that way ever since, you know, and, and we just learn to ignore her. <laughs> we just learn to ignore him. That's just how he is. And, you know, he, he don't mean no harm, but he's causing harm. That is one of the most dangerous statements that people have made. It is a silly asinine excuse that he or she don't mean no harm but he been throwing he and she been throwing daggers since 1945 in the same church but you want to tell me to ignore it or he or she don't mean no harm and you wonder why people don't want to come back to your church because deacon so-and-so and mother so-and-so are mean as hell Nasty as hell. And when I say nasty, I mean attitude. As hell. And because he's been shooting the same bullets and throwing the same daggers since 1945, that's he, he's excused. Well, you know, he a hundred. I don't give a... I don't care. <clears throat> Pray for me. I don't care. I don't care how long they've been at the church. You don't get to talk to people that way. I don't care if your great-grandmama, great-granddaddy marched in 274 years ago. It don't matter. It don't matter. You still mean as hell. They was nice. You mean. I heard good reports about them. You is mean. So it don't matter. But until we, we, we stop playing the, oh, that's just how she is game, or that's just how he is game, this stuff won't change. This stuff ain't going to change. We're going to still be walking around with these big old buildings holding two and 3,000 people with 122 people sitting in the church. Because you got to turn the heat on in the building that whole 1100 or 1500, but you turn on the heat for 1500, but in truth be told, you need four good space heaters. Let me drink a little more water, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Let me get off this thing. It's time for me to go. Let me pray so we can get out of here. My, my, my. Father God, we just want to say thank you. Lord, we thank you, God, in advance for just who you are. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, this amazing article tonight. God, we thank you for Brother Rainer writing it. God, we thank you uh, for his insight and those who have left the fold. God, we thank you, God, but even though that they leave the church, God, we thank you that you never leave them, God. We thank you that even in our foolishness, in our haste, in our hurt, and in our disappointment, that you still continue to cover us. Even when we say we want no parts of your church, that you still continue 
to cover us. God, even those who've turned their back on the church, who've left their fellowship, who've left their families, you still cover, you still protect, and you still provide. And for that, we said thank you. Now, God, we ask that you would touch those who've been hurt in the church. God, we ask that you would touch those who are in the church who've caused harm in the church. We ask that you would touch them, God, and, and, and give them some clarity, God. Give them some insight, God, and, uh, and allow them to see that they are greater with you than they are without you. God, give preachers a fresh anointing and a fresh word. God, for those who, who don't have a mindset to lead, give them a fresh anointing of leadership. And God, even if it's in your will, God, for those of them that don't know how and refuse, God, give them the insight and the clarity to know that it's time to step aside. God, either way, have your will in your church. It is your church. So have your will in your church. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, y'all, look, I'm tired. We, it's 9. I told y'all we was getting out here at 9.30. We ain't doing this. Uh, uh, Two hours and 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 thirty minutes stuff. Uh, we used to go three hours back in the day, tiny like that. But uh, we we ain't doing that stuff no more because I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. He said, "Sound like I'm venting." Inhale and take a deep exhale. No, you know what, uh, bro, Tori, and I'm I'm I look. I'm, I'm gonna let you have the last word. I'm gonna comment. You are gonna be the last comment I comment on. Uh, it's not that. I recognize based off of um my own encounters and those who were with me and those who suffered not because of their anything that they did but because of poor leadership uh because of um lackluster creativity or no forward thinking or um just people being miserable and miserable people like other miserable people because that way if you're more miserable than me, I can ignore the fact that I'm miserable because you're more miserable than me. So I, I've seen that. So I, I speak from a passionate place uh, for those who, who experienced exactly what I'm talking about. So no, I'm, 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 I don't need to vent. I'm good. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a great place when it comes to uh, my place in, 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 in the church proper in the church universal i'm in a great space uh so but i appreciate you i appreciate you uh because because there, there needs to be uh we we do have to come we have to come correct uh in, in our teaching and the way we express people and and as leaders we have to put out fires as soon as we see sparks and not wait until there's a raging forest fire and then we're wondering what happened yeah, in a great house. Come on. <laughs> come on, Brett Tory. Come on, come on, come on. All right, y'all, look, we got to go. Look, we will be back on Friday. I was going to say Tuesday. But we'll be back on Friday, Praise Break Friday. Y'all stay tuned. Look, I I'm, I'm, I might have some guests. I don't know for sure. I'm going to have to check with the producer lady over here, my other half. Uh uh the 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 other king in 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 the family uh i i'm but i'm about to check with her but we might have some guests in the house might be a whole bunch of folk in here 
on Friday. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but in the meantime, look, if you got to drive through this special, special city uh, we call Chicago, uh, do me a favor, uh, my brothers and my sisters. Uh, uh, please, please, ma'am, please, sir, uh, keep your, keep your, keep your head on a swivel. Two T's, one L, one O. With your hands lifted up, say, say it like this. Take the limit, No!